Thank you for listening to a podcast of Rock Church. For more information on sermons and events, connect with us online at rockchurchnow.com or search Rock Church Now in the App Store. Amen. That's exactly what we want to talk about today. So if you could turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to get there in a minute. I'm Pastor Joe, but before we dive into this message, I want to take a moment and give a really special thank you to Pastor Angelo and to Kimmy for allowing me to speak this morning. I mean, it's an honor, and I, I take this really seriously, and I'm just so grateful to do that. But if you guys don't know Pastor Angelo, man, he believes in the generations. And there, there's a, our mission statement on the walls behind you guys, and it says this, reaching, raising, releasing, and reproducing what? Generations for Christ. That's not a statement on a wall. That's written on his heart. And he believes that with everything in him. And that's why he allows people like myself to come here on a Sunday and do something like this. So I just want to take a moment. Can we just show our appreciation to Pastor Angelo and to Kimmy for all that they do? And you guys are incredible. And you guys inspire us. And we're just so grateful for what you do, not only in this community, but across this world for Christ. So thank you guys for all that you do. And man, uh, I just love stuff like that. Don't you guys just love stuff like that? Yes. I'm gonna get in trouble on Monday. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. But back to this idea of identity. Man, this is a really special time of year for me. July 4th is not only a great holiday, go America, man, <laughs> but July 4th is also Andrea and I, my wife's wedding anniversary. So... And this July 4th is a special one. It marks seven years for Angie and I being married. And I just, guys, I just have an amazing wife. If anyone who knows her would say amen. And guys, uh, I'm just so grateful for her. And there's a lot of things that make her incredible. But I would really say one of the things that stands out the most to me and that helps our marriage the most is that Andrea, probably more than anyone I've ever met, knows who she is in Christ. Man, she just knows her identity, and she's secure and confident and comfortable in that identity. And man, if you got a spouse that knows who they are and is secure in that, that's just such a, such a treasure in a marriage. So I'm so grateful that God gave me a wife like Andrea. And man, that's what we want to talk about today, is this idea of identity. And again, today, today's message title is, is called, Waking Up to Our Identity. Because here's a question for you. Is there a more pressing issue today for people than their identity? Who am I? And that's a great question that everybody needs to answer. Because as I look out at our cultural landscape and the world around us, I don't see a clear answer. I see a lot of confusion, misunderstanding, and even outright deception when it comes to this topic of identity. And guys... Are we just more evolved animals? Or are we slaves to our passions and our desires? Or are we something more? And this identity crisis needs to be answered by us as Christians in the church. Healing and hope starts when God's people know who we are. When it comes to personhood, gender, sexual orientation, religious beliefs, and even moral standards, all of these areas and more are being redefined by society, by our world, 
and even by our government, and it is creating an identity crisis. But friends, we as a church, we need to wake up to who we really are, and most importantly, who God says that we are. And there's some good news. And the Bible has some incredible truths about what our true identity is. I've known, and the things I want to talk about today, I've known them for years to be true in my head, but in my heart, God has been showing them to me in a deeper way this year. So I'm speaking from what God has shown me this year, and guys, it is changing my life. And I, and I really believe if you get a hold of this idea of who you really are in Christ, it will change your life as well. So we're going to pray, and we're going to believe today that God is going to speak powerfully about who he says that we are. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you, who you say that we are. Lord, block out all the other voices and let us just hear clearly from you about who you say we are. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. So guys, point number one, you were chosen by God. This is the first truth we need to wake up to when it comes to identity. So if you could look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, even as he, that's God, chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And let that sink in for a minute. Before the world was even formed, God chose you, you specifically. Have you ever thought about that? Like what it was like for God to lay the foundation of our world or how vast our world and our solar system really are? Do you realize how big this universe is that God created or how many stars are in our universe? Yet even in all of its vastness, God still chose you and he knows you. But think for a minute, just for a sec, how many stars there are in the universe. Because just in our own galaxy, our Milky Way galaxy, which is kind of our zip code, if you will, of the universe, astronomers estimate that there's approximately 100 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy, just in the Milky Way galaxy. And astronomers further estimate that there's two trillion galaxies in our universe. Not two trillion stars, two trillion galaxies, Milky Way galaxies swirling around the universe ever expanding. That's a lot of stars. And as you start to think about these numbers, you start to kind of, it, it loses its, its impression because it's hard to put it in context. But to, but to keep going one step further, how many stars is that? If we got two trillion galaxies, we multiply that by 200, I'm sorry, 100 billion stars, that gives us 200 billion trillion stars in our universe. Or said another way, 200 sextillion. I learned a new word during this message. <laughs> That's a two followed by 23 zeros. I think we counted them right, but please don't check that. But guys, let's put this in context because when I look at that number, like, like what does that even mean? I'm a number guy, I like numbers, and I don't know what that number means. But to put it in context, scientists estimate that on Earth, and this is just the beaches and just the deserts, there are approximately 10 sextillion grains of sand on the earth. So follow me here. For every one grain of sand on the earth, there are 20 stars in our universe. Man, that is the God that we serve, who created not only the world, man, but all those stars as well. And Isaiah reminds us in Isaiah 40, 26, Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one 
and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. God knows every one of those stars by name, and not any of them are missing. When I just start to think about all those numbers and facts and figures, you just start to wonder, like, like why does God care about us in this immensity of our universe? And the psalmist agreed in, in Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4, it says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? Yet even though it might not make sense in our human, in our humanness and our logic, God does care about us. Before he made all those stars and laid the foundation of the universe, he had chosen us. Man, Luke reminds us in chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, this is Jesus speaking about God's personal knowledge of us. It says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs on your head are numbered. God named the stars, he knows every sparrow, and he knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of you, that's not too many. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Don't worry. Guys, but think of that. God who created the universe knows you so well, he has the hairs on your head numbered. Guys, we need to wake up to this fact. God has chosen us, and now it's up to us what we do with this gift. And I understand, I just want to get serious for a minute. I understand many of you probably don't feel that way, that anyone could or would ever choose you. You've been rejected by the world, by society, by your peers, by your family, maybe by your kids or even by your spouse. You may have suffered abuse. You may have even abused others. You may be addicted. You may be confused. You might be full of anger and rage. But God chose you. Man, you see, he chose you before you did anything to deserve it. It wasn't based on merit. It was based solely on his love for you. And that's a truth that's just really foreign to our current way of thinking. Because in our world, it's all performance-based. How we measure up against each other, how we look, how we act, how we dress, all of that is how our world evaluates us. But that's not how it works with God. He already chose us before we had a chance to do anything. And I get it, this is a hard concept because I struggle with this idea myself. Guys, uh, I, put a, I base a lot of my self-worth off of what I can do, how I can perform, how I measure up against other people. I struggle with that. Although I'd had a lot of freedom from that, a lot of victory in that over the last couple years or so I thought. I hadn't really struggled with it. Then I started in ministry. And friends, let me tell you, it's a very, it's a difficult calling. And when the, the pressure came and the stress came, I find that I default back to finding my worth in what I do. After about six months of that, I thought, man, I need help. I don't want to live my life this way. I don't want to base my worth off of what I do because that's a, that's a slippery slope there, guys. So I, I went to New Life. And man, if you guys don't know New Life, it is a, the New Life people love it, love it. Jeremy, huh? Guys, but New Life is an incredible ministry we have here at the church that just helps people that are broken get whole for anything. I mean, it could be how I view yourself. It could be drugs and alcohol and anything in between. If, if you feel stuck, if you, like, you can't change or you just want to grow, you should go to New Life. Man, it is changing my life, and I'm so grateful for that because it's reminding me 
that I'm chosen, loved, and accepted by God even on days when I don't get anything done. That's a radical truth that we need to wake up to. God who made the universe, who made all those stars, chose you. And he knows all the mistakes and sins that you have committed and will ever commit, but he still knows you and loves you. And that'll do something powerful in our lives when we hear that, that that's how much God loves us. God who is all powerful is thinking of us even before he created the universe. So that's the first truth we need to wake up to. God chose us. Point number two, you are adopted by God. The second point of our identity is that we're God's sons and daughters. Look at Ephesians chapter one, verse five now. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. As we're in the family of God, and we're his sons and his daughters. And is there anything more incredible than that? It was more than enough that he chose us, but he's also adopted us. We're not part of the family. Our identity is that we're in his family. And isn't that what we all want? To feel like we belong to a loving family? Friends, let me tell you, you do. You belong to a loving family who knows you, everything about you, and still loves you deeply. God has adopted you into his family. And there's a lot to this. And that means if we're part of God's family, that means he's gonna provide for us and he'll protect us. And I know this can be a difficult topic because nobody in here had perfect parents. Some of them may not have protected you or provided for you. And worse, some of them might have even intentionally harmed you or allowed you to go without. And man, if that happened to you, I'm sorry that that happened to you, but I'm here to remind you, if you are in Christ, if you have given your life to Jesus, your identity is that your father is God. And if you don't yet know Christ, God is waiting for you to make that decision. He has chosen you and he says, just come to me. I want to be your father and provide for you in your life. God is waiting for you to make that decision, man, don't wait. And God is just waiting for you today. In my own life, man, I've just been so blessed to have had a father you know, that I could always count on. <laughs> Didn't think it'd be that quick. <clears throat> uh, but in uh, 2017, I was uh, medically separated from the army. I had a bunch of hip surgeries, guys. <clears throat> and the army said, you know, son, it's been great, but it's time for you to find a new career. Like your body's falling apart. And they were right. I mean, they, they were absolutely right. It was time to do something new. And I didn't know what to do though, because I had to get another really big hip surgery, the kind where you're, you're, you're in bed for two months and you're on crutches for a third month kind of surgery. And I'd also tore the shoulder. So once you got off crutches, I had to get another surgery. So there's gonna be an extended period of time where I wouldn't be able to work for. I'll never forget, you know, because also we were living on base at the time, my wife and I, and we just didn't really know where to live because we were living in Kansas on the base. When the Army asks you to find a new job, they, you can't live there anymore either, you know. So, and I'm not blaming the Army. That's just, that's just they, they were so good to me. But it was just a tough time in my life. And I'll never forget, I didn't really know what to do, and I was, I was been praying and hadn't really come up with anything. I'll never forget calling my dad. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Joe, what are you going to do after the surgery? I said, you know, I don't really know. 
I'm thinking about staying in Kansas. I'm thinking about moving back down south to Georgia or Alabama. We just love the south. But I don't really know yet. And I'll never forget what he said. He just said, Joe, come home. He said, Joe, I'm going to take care of you. He said, we got an extra house. You and Andrea can live there. We'll take care of you. And guys, I can't tell you what that does to a son. To have your dad tell you, just come home. And he said it so reassuringly, reassuringly and so calmly, just come home. And that's what we did. And it was such a blessing to be home, you know, with, with our family. And it's such a blessing to have a dad like that. He just provided so much peace and stability and protection in our lives, man. It's incredible. And friends, that was my earthly father. He's not a perfect man. He's made his mistakes. He's even made poor decisions, as have I. But here's the point. If an imperfect man can give my family and I that much stability and peace and protection. Just think of what a perfect God can do in your life. Man, how much more should we experience that same stability and peace and protection under the covering of Father God? And friends, Psalm 23 is just such a beautiful picture of God and how he takes care of us. It's called the Good Shepherd. It was written by a man named David. And guys, David, he would eventually become the king of Israel, but he had a really humble beginning. He started as a shepherd, the youngest son in a big family, and he was a shepherd out in the fields. And as he was out there taking care of the sheep, man, God just spoke to him and revealed to him so many things. And you can just hear it when you read this psalm, as, God, as he just saw God as the good shepherd taking care of us, or his flock. So just listen to Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack Nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And God is our provider. We will never go without. The psalm continues in verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Friends, God is not only our provider, he's our protector as well. And nothing happens to us without it passing through God's hands. And it gets better. Verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the psalm ends with just this overflowing abundance that's available to those of us who are in Christ. And that abundance is available to you who don't know him as well. It's just that choice. God wants to give you good things. And this is, this is just such a great part of that. And it ends that there will be a day when we will dwell with God forever. So friends, we're part of the family of God and we never have to be alone again. We have a heavenly father who we can always count on. We need to wake up to our identity so that we can rest knowing that our father that, our, that God is our dad looking after us as his adopted children into his family. That's point number two. Point number three, guys, is we have an inheritance. Is some good news. The third part of our identity that we need to wake up to is that as part of God's family, as his adopted children, there's an inheritance. That's part of the deal. That inheritance is heaven. Eternity, time everlasting, 
in paradise with God. Man, stop and think about that for a minute. Just what it'll be like to dwell with God forever. I'm just going to read a description of heaven. It comes from Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. It says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. No more tears, no more death, no more crying, no more mourning anymore. Man, that moves me, and I hope it does to you as well. We are adopted sons and daughters into the family of God, and part of that adoption is our inheritance. And guys, that's an inheritance from God. It can't rot, it can't be stolen, and doesn't depreciate in a bad economy, glory to God. (laughs) Guys, it will always be there. So no matter what you're going through in this life, remember that. This life, we're just passing through. This life is merely the beginning of true life. There's another life that's coming when real living truly begins, and that new life, that eternal inheritance, will never end. And as difficult as it can be, the Bible reminds us again and again to look past our present difficulties and look ahead to that inheritance. And there's a man named Paul who understood this so well. He always was saying in his letters to look past our present difficulties and look ahead to what's coming. And I never, I just love this letter he wrote to the, the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. And it's tempting when you read something like that, you think, who was this Paul guy? Like, like did he live in a palace? Does he know what it's like here in the real world where there's pain and suffering and loss and heartache? Does he know what any of that's all about? What's amazing, friends, if you know anything about Paul, and I'm sure most of you do, man, he did. Paul went through more suffering and pain and heartache than most of us will ever experience. He walked away from everything to follow Christ. A great future, honor, respect, academics and learning, he he left all of that to follow Christ. And in return, what did he receive? Hardship, pain, imprisonments, beatings, floggings, and eventually he was even martyred for his faith. And in this passage of the Bible, Paul calls all the collective suffering of history as light and momentary. And I always wonder, how could a man do that? Especially a man that had been through so much pain. Friends, he was able to do that because he knew his identity. He knew he was chosen by God. And as God's son, at the end of his life, heaven awaited him. As I mentioned before, Paul says it's not even worth comparing our current difficulties with the glory that awaits those of us for in Christ. Now again, I want to get a little more serious in this topic because I know many of you right now are wondering how you can make it through one more day in your current situation. I mean, your present suffering is so great, you wonder, how can I do one more day like this? And I would go so far as to say this, in a crowd this size, there are people in here right now who are, who are considering ending their life because of the pain that they're currently in. Guys, I understand, and I really do. 
Thankfully, I've, I've never been suicidal, but I've lived the last 13 years of my life in constant pain and never stops and never lets up. And there are absolutely days when I don't wanna keep going. And I just say, God, just take me home. But I get on my knees every day and I say, God, just help me. And every day for the last 13 years, God reminds me, my grace is sufficient for you. And guys, every day for the last 13 years, it is. And I wanna tell you that same grace is available to you as well. God wants to meet you where you're at to bring you through whatever you're going through. And God reminds me, guys, that my feelings are not my identity. They're part of me, but they don't have to define me. God defines me, and my identity is his adopted son. We have the promises of God written down for us in the Bible, and as his sons and daughters, he promises that one day we will see heaven, and for the rest of eternity, we'll be in his presence. The truth about our identity allows us to endure the pain and hardships of this life and to continue on. So friends, we need to wake up and remember our identity as adopted sons and daughters into God's family. And part of that is an inheritance that awaits us. That's, that's part three. Guys, the last point I wanna make is point number four is why our identity matters. Finally, I wanna talk about the so what of the identity. Friends, our identity matters, as I alluded to earlier, because it empowers us to continue on to what God has called us to do. It allows us to endure everything in this life and, and thus, thus fulfill our God-given calling. So I just wanna share a story that I think really helps illustrate how important identity is in going through things in life. Because in war, when soldiers are taken captive, one of the first things they do is take away their uniforms. Why? Because it strips them of their identity. They're no longer soldiers, they're prisoners, and prisoners are a lot easier to control than soldiers. And I experienced this firsthand doing some training in the army. I was never a prisoner of war, thank God, but I got to go through a program called SEER School. SEER's an acronym. It stands for Survive, Evade, Resist, and Escape Training. It was intense. They taught you how to survive and live off the land, evade being captured, resist giving up information when you're interrogated, and escape. See your survive, evade, resist, and escape. But the joke was, ain't nobody escapes. And uh, nobody in my class did. So uh, quite, a, quite a program. It's all part of flight training. All pilots have to go through it. There's parts of the training that are academic, just purely in the classroom. And then there's the practical parts where you go try and apply these skills you're learning. To give you an idea of what it was like, during the practical part, for five days, I slept 30 minutes and ate one meal. I lost 30 pounds, I lost 30 pounds. <laughs> Looked like a skeleton. I lost 30 pounds, I was covered in bruises, and I had such bad poison ivy that I had to go to the hospital when we finished to get steroid injections to bring the swelling down. I remember Andrea flew out as a surprise visit to see me, and uh, she got the surprise. <laughs> she took one look at me and said, what did they do to you? And it, it was pretty intense training. But here's my point. Regarding my point about identity, when we were captured, one of the first things they did was they took away our uniforms and made us change into prison outfits. I cannot tell you how weak I felt putting on that outfit. It happened instantly, I felt weaker. My identity as a soldier got stripped away 
I literally felt like my strength had left me. Then at another point in the training, we got to put our uniforms back on. Guys, when I finished tying my boots and stood up, I actually felt invincible. I wasn't, but I felt invincible. That nothing could shake me. My mood changed, I stood taller, I actually felt stronger. And again, it was instant, like a, like a switch had gotten flipped. My strength was back. And all I did was put on a uniform. Imagine for a minute what we would be able to withstand as Christians if we understood our true identity in Christ and we walked in that identity and we applied that identity and that we daily encountered Christ in that identity. That was my identity as a soldier. That's a temporary one that's not even true anymore. Friends, imagine what a difference it would make in our daily lives if we understood that God-given identity, that he chose us before the earth was formed, that we're adopted as sons and daughters into his family, and that as sons and daughters, we have an internal inheritance in heaven. That's an identity that will never change or go away. It will always be true. Nothing can change that. If we can wake up and get a hold of this truth about our identity, it will empower us to walk out in faith and face the challenges of this life with a confidence, not in ourselves, but a confidence in God and who he says that we are. So guys, at this point, I'd like to ask everybody to stand. Friends, it's my hope today that all of us here, myself included, would be daily reminded of our true identity. Friends, Rock Church dreams of a place where our identity is in Christ. This is part of our vision. It's on the walls to my left and to my right. Rock Church dreams of a place where our identity is in Christ. But why would a church say that? Why would that be part of our, our dream or our vision? It's because most churches are struggling with that identity. So let us as a church and as individuals start today to take steps forward into making that dream become a reality here at Rock Church. That we would go with boldness into whatever God calls us to do. Again, not with a confidence in ourselves, but with a confidence in who God says that we are. So friends, in just a moment, we're gonna open up this altar. And I wanna invite before that though, anybody that wants to talk, if maybe you heard something in this message that you wanna learn more about, and you just need to talk to somebody, we got a room called the Connections Room in the rear of the church to my left, to your right. There are people there that would love to connect with you and to hear your story, and just to get you plugged in here at Rock Church. So I'd encourage you to do that. And I also want to encourage everyone else today that if you are struggling with your identity, friends, that's okay. But God wants to show you what your true identity is. If you don't know who you really are, man, I would invite you down to this altar. God wants to encounter you and show you that this morning. But if there's anything else you're struggling with, it doesn't have to be identity. And I would invite you down again. God wants you to come to him and he'll bring you through whatever situation you're going through in this life. So guys, the altar is gonna be open after I pray. And I'd invite you to come to my right. If you just wanna pray and just go after God and just spend some time with him, man, this, please come to this side. But if you need prayer for anything we talked about today or anything else, man, please come to my left. There are people on our elder team our staff and our prayer team that would love to pray with you and help you through anything that you're going through today.
So I'm going to pray. And then again, I would just invite you to come down here to have an encounter with God. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you say about us. God, encounter us today and show us in a deeper way who we are in your name. We ask all this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That concludes this week's podcast. To stay up to date with all things Rock Church, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram as Rock Church MI.